0: Welcome to the Trinity Reformed Church Podcast. Sermon by Matt Carpenter on July 24th, Lord's Day service. Next this morning is the book of Ephesians, chapter 6, verse 4. And you, fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Let us pray. Our Father in God, you are good beyond measure. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. We thank you for the gift of your word, for teaching us and leading us in the way, performing us in holiness. Open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of your law. May the words of my mouth and meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are all familiar with the Apostles' admonition here to fathers. It comes in the middle of something known as the household codes, explanations for what an ancient household should look like, for how each person husband, wife, children, and slaves should live. Often when we hear the words given in verse four, the nurture and admonition, or training and admonition, what we, in our minds, we're accustomed to applying them immediately. So when we hear nurture and admonition, we apply them as teach and discipline, or if you live in the South, explain and spank. I mean, isn't that how we've usually heard the passage applied? What is the nurture and admonition of the Lord? I'll tell you, when I was growing up, it was not something you wanted to encounter. It had uh, what we now call negative overtones. As much as we want parenting to be a paint by numbers kit, it's not. Parents can easily give all their attention to a child, to to the minds and the bodies of children that we forget their soul. We're called as parents to nurture, guide, train, help, feed, exemplify, and saturate our children with the love of our Heavenly Father. This is not something that merely begins after you have kids. So when you are single, if you're single right now, you don't have to say, whew, glad I don't have to worry about any of this for a while. No, you, you, it's not anything to worry about. But you're called to begin this now. This, this word, that the, when, when he calls us, especially that word training or nurture, is used in other places. In the book of Hebrews chapter 12, it's called chastening. And that's why we automatically assume It's physical correction, but it's not just that we're talking about formation here. We're talking about making a way and teaching and guiding our children in how to walk in that. But even before we have, we don't start walking in the way of Christ when we have kids. If you're not walking in the way of Christ now, you certainly will not start walking in the way of Christ after you have kids. Why? Because kids help us grow to maturity. They're God's gifts to us. They're blessings to help us grow in maturity. But you have to begin the process beforehand. So it does also, it also, it does not stop when your kids leave. You're not free at that point to say, well, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Now it's time to live it up. No, it continues. The Lord is still working in you. Your sanctification doesn't end at that point. It continues throughout your life. You're called to pursue this walk. Whether you are single, or married. You have growing kids or are empty nesters. Joyful Christianity should permeate your home like humidity permeates the deep south in August. Once a pastor preached at length against society's effeminacy, especially the effeminacy of boys. He preached against perversion and against giving our children over to endless entertainment. He warned how these sins are like luscious fruit, but then once we actually touch the fruit, it turns to ashes. This is probably familiar territory for us, but this this pastor is not one who is likely familiar. His name is John Chrysostom And he lived in the 300s. 1,700 years ago, this man was warning against sins that we see everywhere. Thankfully, he not only railed against sins, and you can actually read this sermon. It's called Vainglory and How to Raise Children. It's easy to find online. But... He, in addition to talking about the wrong things going on, he also declared the right way. The way understood by Greco-Roman culture for centuries before the text was written and then renovated by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Ephesians. This word is called paideia. The closest English word we have to it is enculturation. But that even falls short. For the ancient Greeks, Paideia was a process of forming the entire person into a Greek man or woman. It required training in history, philosophy, literature, mathematics, religion, tradition, and virtues until these things sink down into the marrow of your bones and it becomes inescapable until it's not just something that you've embraced, but it's now who you are. This is the privilege of parenting. It's also the privilege of grandparenting. In his sermon... Chrysostom calls children statues and parents artists. He said, quote, like the creators of statues, do you give all your leisure to fashioning these wondrous statues for God? When's the last time you called your children wondrous statues of God? Through our calling, we have as parents, and also grandparents, and if you encounter, if you are single and you encounter others around you, you, you have interaction, you too have a role in this. We have the opportunity to shape our children, to form them in the way of Christ. This is not to say, this doesn't mean that our children are sinless, Are innocent. They're born with original sin and need Christ just as much as you and I do. But unlike us, our children don't have years of prior formation. They have you. They have their parents. They have family, neighbors. Kids are formed not first and foremost, by what they hear. They're formed by the examples before them. Do you want your kids to have a good marriage? Walk in a good marriage. Do you want them to grow in love for Christ? Walk in love for Christ. Now, now please don't say, I'm doing everything I can and I don't. No, we're... Don't jump to that yet. Again, parenting is not, you do this, God does that. It's just an equation. You get the right variables filled in, and everything works out perfectly. Doesn't happen that way. Over the next several weeks, we're going to look deeper into the phrase, the paideia and training of the Lord. Focusing on what it is and how we're called to do it. I'll warn you, though, as I've already said, it's not a regimen. It's not a schedule that you follow. It's not just getting the right method of Christian education using the proper curriculum or anything like that. It doesn't come from reading our children enough books or making sure that their hearts are exactly right in the perfect type of submission after you discipline them. This is an atmosphere, an atmosphere of formation. And it grows mainly through relationships. Beginning with your relationship with God, continuing in your relationship with your spouse, and then coming into fruition in the relationships with your children. For the Greeks, it began with a tutor. There were certainly lessons taught in every subject. It affected the body, mind, and spirit. They did not just want one of those three affected. They wanted it to be everything. But more importantly, a bond was formed. A bond between the tutor and the one who is taught. This bond made the transfer of insights Wisdom and virtue, very natural. Like a young twig receiving sap from a tree. So contrast that relational form of teaching and guiding with modern education, which prefers a stranger administering information vitamins to sickly souls, and then saying, why doesn't this work? We have actually, as a society, pursued education that is in direct contrast to the greatest Christian and pagan wisdom of the last 5,000 years. Because we're modern and we have much better ideas. So that's not the way we are pursuing. For the ancient Greeks, the purpose of paideia was to inform, excuse me, was to form the child for his or her role in the political community. Only one that they believed who was free from vice and from the chronic ideas of the age was prepared to serve the community. So if you're trapped by whatever way the wind's blowing at the time, if you go whatever way the culture wants you to go, you're not fit for service. But here, we are preparing our children not only to participate in the community of God's people, which is a part of it, certainly, but we're preparing them for something greater. This formation is preparing them for glory, specifically the glory of Christ. We have the privilege of taking our children by the hand and helping them see glimpses of the eternal God. Now I know parenting doesn't often feel that way. We think I don't know what type of parenting you're doing, but mine doesn't feel that well. Well, you know what? Again, remember, your feelings will lie to you just as soon as they would tell you the truth. You cannot trust your feelings. Because every act that you do to the glory of God. Even the ones that you feel like fall, what when you give yourself and you have this luscious fruit you see and you're so thankful and the fruit falls to the ground and it looks like there was no point, why did I even waste my time doing that? You have no idea what your father's doing. You have no idea how he is working not only in you but also through you in your family. So don't get discouraged. We imperfect creatures who are made in God's image, get to help our children adorn that image. And if you say, well, my kids are are too old at this point and, and I can't do a whole lot more. That's not true. That is not true. Your role in helping in the formation, yes, It changes in one sense as your children age, but also the connection that is there, the connection that will remain until death is one that you cannot understand fully and will not understand until you are with the Lord in eternal glory. As Paul said, the things that are seen are temporal. What you can see God doing right now is temporal, is short-term. The things that are unseen are eternal. I hope that can give you hope this morning. The faithfulness that you offer whenever you work, the smallest cup of water that you give in the name of Christ, even if it is rejected and you feel like it's not received, if you are doing so to the glory of God, it will accomplish more than you can think. Because the holy God who created all things is working in you to will and do His good pleasure. When you are united to Christ, you are a partaker of His glory. You are being transformed into His glorious image. But you also get to participate in the transformation of your children. Again, I'll say, though, this does not mean that your child's salvation is up to you. It's not of works. No one's salvation is of works. Not yours, not your kids. It's the grace of God from beginning to end. Salvation is the Lord's work, but the calling of a parent has eternal implications. Now, for some people, again, this this can stir fear. Because as parents, how many of us have asked the question, am I doing enough? Am I doing it the right way? What am I not doing that I should be doing that I don't know I should be doing? Happens a lot. Because we love our kids. And we want to do a good job. Well, I have have good news for you. All of us are doing it wrong to one degree or another. Say, well, that's weird version of good news. But we are, No no one is perfect. Okay, no one, all of us are imperfect in our parenting, some more mature than others. Yes, I'm not saying that there's no standard, but everyone falls as a parent. But if you, are, if you humbly seek to grow and learn as a parent, as a grandparent, and you persist in your task despite obstacles, and there will be obstacles, there will be more obstacles, the obstacles won't stop. But if you continue faithfully and, you, and you're open to learn, the Lord will bless you to grow. But the greater problem is this, and this is especially to fathers, I, I'm addressing fathers with this next statement primarily because Paul does. In Ephesians 6 4. The greater problem, fathers, is when we abdicate our responsibilities. When we turn our kids over solely to their mom or to their school, or we turn them over to themselves or friends because we don't want to lead in this difficult, trying work. We think, I'm tired. I have other things I'd rather do I have other I have a preferred way of serving God. I want to fill in the blank. I want to go be a witness to some of my friends at this wherever you know on the golf course. I want to be a faithful steward of my swing of, of the lord's work or I'd really like to understand the culture better so I can be an apologist. I don't need to watch this Netflix series. Part of my role in the kingdom. Those are not wrong. We have to prioritize. And our danger is that we will give to ourselves first. It's an intense period, especially when your kids are young, it is intense. But if you plant, you will even begin to see fruit before the full harvest comes. You say, well, I'm not a parent right now. My kids are either grown and out of the house. I don't have grandkids yet. So can I sit this one out? The answer is no. Again, because this is addressed in Hebrews chapter 12. Specifically, when he says that we are called, verse Hebrews 12, 7, if you endure chastening, if you endure the paideia of God, he deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which we are all partakers, you are illegitimate and not sons. And again, this is not merely when you go the wrong way, you're corrected. That is true. But it's also, he allows things to happen to you. And sometimes we don't know why. Have you ever faced a situation, a trial, and and your first question is, what have I done wrong? We sometimes want there to be something wrong. Because if I've done something wrong, I can confess and repent. And then we can go back to the way it's supposed to be. That is me enjoying life. But it doesn't happen that way. Sometimes He's forming you and He doesn't give you a really good reason. There's not a specific sin you can trace back. That means it's actually out of your control. This is how we learn the formation to which God has called us. This is how we are formed as His people. And He does it because He loves us. How many Have you ever told your kids, I'm doing this because I love you and your kids submit while inwardly having a few questions about the accuracy of that statement. Have we ever done this with our heavenly father? When he allows something to come, have we ever questioned and said, does he really love me? Be honest, you asked that question before I can tell you, if He didn't love you, it would be very different. Because He's bringing you, He's forming in you, not just your kids, He's forming in you, His eternal glory. As odd as it sounds, when our home is a place of gracious love, discipline, and growing in wisdom, the result is not soft, kids. We think, if I give too much attention to my kids, if, if, if I let them think that they can have my attention all the time, they're going to be spoiled. Well, I'm not saying give them everything they want. But walk with them. Build your relationship with them. Rather than just do this, don't do that, wash this dish and Now grow grow in grace. I'll see you back at supper time. No, if we're building a relationship, they're not going to be soft. The result is heavenly warriors. Raising our children in the paideia of God trains them for a lifetime of warfare. The enemy wants your kids. And he doesn't fight fair. He lures... Entices, draws, and then consumes them. Paul ends his household code in a very interesting way in Ephesians 6. Have you ever, in reading Ephesians 6, what is it it known for? It's known for the verse, yes, about children obey your parents. One verse that a lot of kids are taught when they're very young. Don't provoke your children to wrath. We skip over the verses about slaves. And then what is the other thing Ephesians 6 is known for? Spiritual warfare. Have you ever put the two together? Have you ever thought about the fact that Paul was moving in a particular direction? He didn't just close out one sermon and say, now I finished talking about households, let's talk about something totally different. No, Paul was making a point and that point is this, in your we, as you're walking in your household, teaching and training, walking in sacrificial love for the husband towards his wife, the wife submitting and obeying her husband, submitting to and obeying her husband, children obeying, parents leading and guiding him in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. When this is going on, it all is heading to a point. It's funneled to the point of learning to be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. You're training warriors eternal warriors. You're training those who are going to judge the very angels. This has more than long-term consequences. The call to put on the armor of God, to be strong, to stand against the wiles of the devil because we wrestle against principalities, powers and rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. It comes through learning, through teaching in the home. The home is where we're trained. Remember Abraham when his nephew Lot was captured? What did he do? Did he say, man, I wish I could call the police, but they're just not invented yet. No. He took his 318 servants that he had personally trained and they went in and they took care of business. When we're teaching and guiding and training our kids, we are preparing them to be a part of God's almighty army. Not almighty because of our strength, almighty because of his. We're training them for this. We are called to holy war, and that holy war begins in the home. Our our Puritan forefathers said that they were not interested in abolishing the monastery, they were interested in making every family a monastery, where the formation of wise servants of Christ goes on. Parents We have the honor of teaching and showing our kids how to love their King. Only soldiers who love the King will be faithful. And that's where we come in. So as God has given us the grace, let us embrace this calling. Thanks for listening. If you want to find out more, check out our website at trinityreformedkirk.com. That's TrinityReformedKirk.com.